0: this is Gregory Correa of Harmonix and today's guest is an historical figure holiday bowl a landmark in Hayward California I have none other than the owner Jim summer how are you brother
1: hello Gregory it's good to see you it's good to be
0: here oh man welcome to you know harmonics it's it's a great surprise to have you here um, I'm glad that you came I like your t-shirt
1: yeah this is uh, an original holiday bowl employee shirt from many years ago.
0: That's pretty amazing.
1: Actually, the original first one was red, but then I turned them into the blue ones.
0: And you look blue in in Technicolor that we're doing? (laughs) I use, that's an old word, but hell, what's the difference? Uh, Blue is it. You know, so I want to get involved and start talking about the history of this beautiful landmark. Tell me this. When did it first develop and who developed
1: it? Well... The uh, I think the thought of it originated my my dad, Ralph, was in a thing called the 2030 Club, which is kind of like the Rotary Club. Okay. business professionals get together and hook up and make connections. And he met his future partner, Arch McDonald Mm -hmm. there. And somehow I don't know how because he's he's a lawyer and my dad's a CPA and they got together and they said, let's build a bowling alley. There's none in Hayward. Let's yeah. let's build a bowling alley in Hayward, and they uh, got together with a third partner, George Page, mm-hmm. and uh, they did it. They did everything they had to do to get it built. It took about a year to do it all, mm-hmm. and they opened the largest bowling alley in Northern California in 1958. In 1958. So, that's interesting. So, what was the cost to
0: actually build something of that magnitude back then?
1: Well, I think. It must have been a little over the million dollar mark. Nice. I know my dad told me that the big sign we had out front, that's mm-hmm. well on your picture there, right here. 70 feet tall, biggest sign in all of Hayward history. Uh, back in 1958, he said that sign cost $50,000 to have it made and installed. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, right down the street in Fairway Park, mm-hmm. you could buy a three bedroom, two bathroom house for $7,000 so that in 1958 58 wow so that house at the time was worth about seven houses (laughs) amazing that's a way to put it in perspective
0: as you know and we and you and i have talked on numerous things and i was on your documentary and by the way this is uh um
1: you want to talk about this too sure yeah well um I, i made a nice documentary it's a 66 minute documentary about the bowl i have lots of footage i took video while it was still open. And uh, I have lots and lots of pictures and memorabilia in there. And I interviewed 22 former employees and customers and neighbors Mm -hmm. and got all their little stories Mm -hmm. and tales of the bowl and uh it's great it, it really turned out good i'm happy with it i just wanted it to live on because now it's not even there anymore mm-hmm. we finally sold the property this year mm-hmm. and it's all gone it's going to become something else now mm-hmm. and uh, i just didn't want it to just disappear so now it's it's, it's right live here. on yep
0: um and we'll talk about how you could get this at the totally zen so when you when this was happening in the holiday bowl it became a landmark, not only in Hayward, but it seemed like everybody was going there. Uh, my myself, I was a participant in loving that place. What, what actually, what was so amazing about it? He had a big ballroom, but what was, what did it? Why was it so popular for so long? You do you think?
1: Well, I think we had uh, a lot of amenities that other places didn't. We had many rooms. We had a barber shop. We had a beauty salon. We had a nursery for the kids we had a little banquet room downstairs before we built the holiday house upstairs mm-hmm. um, and there were other meeting rooms and we had an underground parking garage for the bad weather that really got filled up mm-hmm. and we had a huge parking lot all around the five and a half acres mm-hmm. we had a restaurant that was not just a little um, snack bar it was a full-blown breakfast, lunch, and dinner 24 hours a day. Also, the whole place was open 24 hours a day. Yes. Which made it kind of unique. So
0: totally unique. You were ahead of your time. The food, and and as a person that's ate there many times, with my my wife, it had delicious food. Anybody would tell you how delicious and fresh it was then. Um, You know, you talked about the underground. um, That was another thing. You talked about the underground uh, garage, right? Mm -hmm. That was also when you would go there or go into the front where you walk up the steps and you hear everybody. It was really um, a family event,
1: wasn't it? It totally was, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could go there with your parents. You could go there with your kids later. Mm-hmm. You could go there with your friends. You could go there by yourself mm-hmm. and always have a good time.
0: Always have a good time. You know, when in, in and you had um, bowling teams too, right? Oh, sure. And yeah. did, you, did you bowl? or? Were,
1: I did I bowled I was in several leagues but uh, the real um, avid bowler in our family was my brother John mm-hmm. he was really into it had a way higher average than I did got many many trophies Wow but yeah I enjoyed bowling and uh, I, I was in several leagues
0: you know when you uh, the, the, the whole thing your service department and the people that worked there from the custodians to the maintenance people to the people that actually did all the things in the restaurant. How did you choose so many great people? Well, you know,
1: my my dad and my uncle were the two who ran it. Mm-hmm. Um, the third partner I mentioned earlier, George Page, he left after just a couple of years. Mm-hmm. and Arch McDonald was a silent partner. Mm-hmm. He was an owner but really didn't have anything else to do with it. Mm-hmm. He did not run it. My dad and my uncle did. and uh, they were just real good at at finding good people mm-hmm. um, for managers and that. My dad kind of was able to locate a bunch of workaholics, and that's and he was too, and these guys were all just like just dove in. Everybody was fine with working six days a week, mm-hmm. and uh, they it was just really well run, and th- they knew how to do their jobs. It was so well run and efficient, and watched over all the time mm-hmm. by my dad and my uncle, that it was a big success.
0: It was totally a big success. I I've met so many people uh, that have been in the Holiday Bowl. It's amazing. In your documentary, which I love, um, and I'm 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 so honored to be a part of it, was is that um, the people that talk talked it was almost like their second home or their first home. It was, and you had some people that that worked
1: there a long time, didn't you? Oh yeah. Well, our general manager bob Rubello worked there 36 years how long was it open till did it well it was, it was
0: 36 we, years so and, and did you start in 58 yeah oh my goodness
1: i think he came there in 65. wow so and, 2001 and, yeah uh-huh. wow. when did it actually close in 2005 august 28th that must have been a very sad day for everybody it was the the worst part of it was when i had to announce it to all the employees before we closed mm-hmm. We had a big staff meeting, mm-hmm. and I had to get up there and tell everybody, "Yeah, bad news. We're going to close." And I was kind of choking up, and I didn't of want course. to. And yeah, it was pretty sad.
0: So when when
1: you had all those and,
0: and the people in this documentary, I'm going to refer to the documentary a little bit. Uh, they were so. It seemed to me that they were so dedicated, liked their work, and really, it shut. Well, obviously, you were the bartender, and I want to talk to you about the bartender how you bartended um the people really cared they really did and they, there was always there was always a bright positive attitude that they greeted you by when you walked into the you know the restaurant like you said it wasn't a little cubby hole it was a full stage restaurant everything was large there um way before the time of um it was way ahead of its time i thought
1: yeah you know and everybody that worked there they knew they were working in a special place mm-hmm. and it was so well-run you know when the boss gives you respect and allows you to do your job mm-hmm. it really makes people want to work mm-hmm. better and mm-hmm. do their job and enjoy it mm-hmm. and do it all for the right reasons uh-huh. so yeah all, all, all of our employees I think had that superior attitude right because they knew we were doing something special not just a average bowling alley it was way above average mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you could tell just the attitude of, of everybody. When you walk in, you knew you were going to have a good time. It was respectful. Oh, totally.
0: It was a respectful place. And, and there was so much fun. You you hear laughter, obviously. You hear whoops and hoff, oh man, or, you know, a strike or whatever. But the food was great. People were great. You had even had a, uh, a could I say, like a daycare center or a mm-hmm. toddler, what was that? We that, called it
1: the nursery. Yeah, the nursery. You right. had the nursery. Yep. and
0: had a barber, uh, you know, a... Uh, uh, who would have ever thought that that's why I think people gravitated it because I was there a couple times in, early in my life. And the, it seemed like the parking lot was always full. Right. Huh. Yeah. You know, in the mid 60s, 70s, when I met my wife, Victoria, it, that's how that's how I even got to know it even better. You know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was just a great place. So your fondest memories. Well, wait, one of the memories you, you pointed out here. Uh, being a bartender. What was it like being a bartender at your own business?
1: Oh, well, that was that was pretty fun. At the time, I was I was an apprentice carpenter and I was hating it. And it, and the weather was raining and I was having to work in mud and mm-hmm. it was just a miserable job. And my dad approached me uh, one day and he said, "Hey, we have an opening at the bar. There's a, there's a bartender opening. Mm-hmm. Would you like it?" And I went, "Yeah, get out of the mud and I, yeah 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 I'll take it because that was kind of one of the primo jobs there at the bowl. Mm-hmm. So when uh, you,
0: how did you learn how to be a
1: bartender? Did somebody teach you, or you just? I, I bought a big book, uh-huh. and I taught, well, the, yeah, they taught me there. I learned mm-hmm. on the job, basically. Mm-hmm. What was the favorite drink of most? Oh gosh, well, sold a lot, a lot of beer. We sold mm-hmm. cases and cases, Budweiser and Coors and all the standard mm-hmm. stuff, um, and the drinks, the mixed drinks were a little bit different back then. Of course. We don't have a lot of those, but we made, Real good Bloody Marys, Mai Tais, oh, Manhattans, yeah. Martinis, all the standard yeah, let's stuff Let's go back, back, back to then. the
0: holiday bowl and do that right now. Huh? <laughs> uh, so that was there. So what was the price of uh, uh, like say a drink back then?
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> when I started working yes. in 1977, I think it was. Right, right. Uh, A bottle of beer was 75 cents. 75 cents and you could, you could get a
0: beer <laughs> At uh, AT&T Park, I call it, or Pac Bellevue, whatever, San Francisco Giants. It's seventeen dollars for a beer. <gasps> this was a bargain. Are you serious? Yes, yeah, seventeen dollars for a can. Oh beer. my god! You
1: know, it's crazy. That is insane. It's it... crazy,
0: but th- that must have been a lot of good times when you actually met a lot of people, probably there too.
1: I did. I met both of my wives there. Oh, I, I, I used to call it the love capital of Hayward. Oh. And there is love in the bottom, that's how I, <laughs> so that's you, how I yeah, that's my wife. Too. You, <laughs> you met your door. wife there, oh, yeah. yeah. Bob Bello met yeah, his yeah, wife <laughs> there. Lots of people met their spouses there. Well, I didn't there. meet my
0: wife, actually, There, we actually went bowling there, but I was, we were getting ready to get engaged. But, yeah, there is love in that that building. <laughs> 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 so funny. So, um, as you, as we move through, you had a big event there with
1: Ronald Reagan. Yeah.
0: Tell me about that. Well, Tell the audience about that one.
1: Um, in 1965 when Ronald Reagan was running for governor mm-hmm. the uh, Republican Party um, contacted my dad about having a big dinner there to elect him you know as their person to run on the on the Republican Party mm-hmm. and uh, of course we we did and it was great it was 912 people and that's that's actually the biggest party that we ever had there. He billed it as holding Mm 1,100, and I'm sure that was true, but we never had 1,100. The biggest we had was 912, and in my documentary, Mm -hmm. I talk about it, and I show a picture of the room that was taken by a photographer up high in the room and got a view of everybody, including Ronald Reagan Mm -hmm. and my dad, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that was a pretty big deal back then, and of course we know he won. Of course. And later became president he became
0: president. Yeah, it's, that's how funny that <laughs> reminds me. Yeah, he became the president of the United States. Did you get to meet Ronald? I did not. I always remember him from uh, Death Valley Days on television and more rocks, more So <laughs> you know. So you know when when you're going through, what is your fondest memory of? for you. What, I know you probably have many, but it's probably your, your your children grew up in there too, right? Your two, oh yeah, sure. Your two my, daughters.
1: Yeah, Mike, two girls. Great ladies. Were there mm-hmm. as much as possible. And they worked there a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. we let them do mm-hmm. stuff because you can, when it's a family business, mm-hmm. you can let your kids come in and mm-hmm. pretend to be waitress or whatever. And, and they did it. And it was more of a fun thing for them. We didn't mm-hmm. really think they would be waitresses, but mm-hmm. something you can let your kids do when when it's your own family business. Yes, yes.
0: Uh, so you said that it actually closed in what year did it close?
1: 2005.
0: 2005. So you're looking at almost 47 years of being
1: open. Yeah. Why did it close? Well, basically, sadly, um, for the same reason that uh, the other three bowling alleys in Hayward closed before us, mm-hmm. is the bowling leagues just got too small. We used to. In the heyday mm-hmm. for many 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 years mm-hmm. we would fill we had 40 lanes mm-hmm. we'd fill all 40 lanes at six o'clock with leagues mm-hmm. and then we would fill them again at nine o'clock with leagues all 40 lanes and we would do that five or six days a week for years and years for decades and then uh, as we were approaching the 2000s uh, we were not able to fill 40 lanes it got down to, like, 20 lanes, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't enough to sustain the business. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what happened to everybody. The The leagues mm-hmm. were the key. My dad used to say, the bowling's the key to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then I learned what he meant. Mm-hmm. He's well, right. Foresight. Right. He if, definitely had foresight. Yeah.
0: My father actually bowled there in a the league. Uh, you know, I think it was a visiting team, or however they did it. I remember him telling me about going to the Holiday Bowl too. Uh, back in, the, I think it was in the mid 60s. I think I still got his trophy or my mother has a trophy somewhere. Um, he bowled all over the place because really that was really like a recreational uh, thing for families. You could eat at your place. Obviously your food was out, outstanding. Right. So it closed and then it, it, it stayed dormant for how many years? Oh gosh. 14, 13, 16 years. So in that time period, were the lanes? Were the lanes still there? At the hardwood?
1: No. Soon after we closed, we we eventually. Well, we had wooden lanes in the beginning. Yes. And had them for years and years, mm-hmm. and and you could you had to sand them down every three years mm-hmm. and refinish them. And after you do that, too many times you start hitting nails, and when that happened to us, we had to get the new overlays that. Most other bowls had the plastic overlays. Oh, I didn't know that. And so we put those on top of the wood and they worked out really good. People loved them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they gave everybody good, a good shot and everything. Mm-hmm. So when we closed, we very shortly after that were able to sell those overlays to another bowl in some other state, I don't remember where, like Montana or Nebraska Amazing. or somewhere.
0: So and it's still possibly some of them lanes might be scattered out in. Well,
1: then the lanes, the actual wooden lanes. Yes. Uh, after we sold the overlays, mm-hmm. we started cutting those up and selling pieces. People wanted pieces I of could bowling lanes. I smart business. So we had a guy there, and he would cut, take orders for people, and go cut them up and mm-hmm. deliver them. We'd sell them for a you know reasonable price. And what and about we, all the
0: furniture too? Same thing. You sold all that out.
1: Um. Yeah, I think, I think we, I don't even remember what we did with any chairs and tables and mm-hmm. things, but yeah, something like that.
0: You know, uh, you were talking about earlier, you were talking about this, this sign. And the sign, I always liked the sign. Even, you know, I, when we uh, go down and play at Nile Station or place, you know what I liked always about this sign? Two things. Always open right. the restaurant. But for some odd reason, I always like. Uh, was it a cow or a bull? I, oh, For some odd that's reason, that's a bull. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it my, was dad, a bull my dad. My dad called the
1: the original menu of the bowl had that little bowl hanging from the sign on it, and uh, it was called the Bashful Bowl. <laughs> my dad named the restaurant the Bashful Bowl because he liked a place in San Jose. I think it was called the Brave Bowl, and he thought that's a. That's kind of a cool name. Mm-hmm. And he made an offshoot, called it the basketball bowl. I've always liked the
0: bowl. I, I used to drive by, you know, how, how the light, you could see the light all the way, like when you're getting down by uh, Fairway Park, you could almost, almost see the how, well, 75 feet up in the air. Right? right. Now, is is did that get torn down or demolished also, the sign?
1: No, I, um, I found, there was a guy who's interested who was a contractor. Mm-hmm and knew how to deal with big stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I checked him out real good first, but he wanted it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I'd like to sell it, but then we found out that it would cost him almost $7,000 to have it taken down and relocated. Yeah. So I, I gave it to him. He spent the $7,000 to do it mm-hmm. and uh he relocated it to his property. I just matter of fact, I just communicated with them this morning. Oh, that's great. And he said he said uh yeah, we got slowed down by COVID, but we're going to be putting the the posts up soon and putting the lower part on first and then we're going to put the upper part on and he's going to erect it on his property in a secret location. Oh. It's 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 nearby. It's uh-huh. it's in this area. Mm-hmm. And I will when he gets it up, he's going to let me know and I'm going to go, yeah, take some Pictures and put how it online everybody see its new location, but I didn't want to give his um, yes. Location because of course not of course not you no. might get bothered by no, people. yeah You
0: don't want to do that, but how how lucky you are to actually have somebody that takes that uh, This beautiful landmark because I'm telling you I, I passed by it mi- hundreds of times of you driving down Mission Boulevard and always, I didn't know it was the the bashful bull, but now I do know, but it, it it always, I always liked it. And I always liked it because it was always open. You could go there at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock, you could, whatever, if you have it, you know.
1: It was, as a matter of fact, since we were always open, mm-hmm. uh, the day that we closed, yes. or when we were closing in on that day, mm-hmm. I realized we didn't have locks on the front doors. There, were no lo- there was no way to lock the front doors because we never did. In 47 years, the front doors never got locked because mm-hmm. it was open 24 hours a day every day. Mm-hmm. So I had to have locks installed on it. When you closed. When we closed, yeah. Interesting. That tells you,
0: you know, and it also tells you the respect that people had back in the day for buildings. Uh, I don't recall hardly any graffiti ever in your building or see it on the outside, you know, maybe after years of, uh, n- I don't want to be disrespectful, but neglect, um, and that's what actually, ha- basically happened. It actually burnt down, or was there? Yeah, what a
1: sad ending that was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we kept all the graffiti off. It would appear, well, when we were open, we almost never got graffiti, yes. a, a little yeah. here and there, but we jumped on it right away. Yes. Because that's the best way to that's keep, the it, best keep way. it away.
0: Yeah, it's the best way. So wh- while you're moving forward and you got, Obviously, you have the sign that you'll be able to see again. What What is the legacy of the Holiday Bowl to you?
1: Well, it was all the customers. Well, it was everything. The employees had a big history there, and they were also customers. A lot of our employees were league bowlers, and they'd come in on their day off mm-hmm. and eat in the restaurant or go drink in the bar. And uh, all the people that came in, they would bring their families. And then years later, I watched, this was kind of cool. I'd see little kids come in with their parents and I was there long enough that I saw those little kids grow up mm-hmm. and have their kids and bring them in. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, she looks just like you did when you were little. And I get to see a few generations, generations. coming in. Wow. So yeah, there's, I'd say a good three generations that know it real well. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. The people that you interviewed in this documentary that you did, and it's very well done. Um, what do you think of them? They're 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 just outstanding people. I mean, I got to meet some
1: of them. They were just beautiful people. Oh, they're great. Yeah, they they had. Who's your longest employee? Oh gosh, we had a, a couple. Well, Helena, one of the Helena Andrews, one of the interviewees that I had. Yes, she worked there for. Probably forty years. Wow. And Bob Rabello, our general manager, worked there for thirty six years. Mm. There were many people. We had waitresses that worked there for thirty years. Mm. We had bartenders that worked there. I, I was a bartender for seventeen years. Seriously. Yeah. Full time. Wow. And uh, yeah, lots I of people got a bought a drink from you, didn't even know you it. You might have. I was there. <laughs> 40 hours a week. You also did rock concerts there too. Yeah, we did. Uh, later in the 2000s, um, I, I met up with a band called the Stone Messiahs, mm-hmm. and you you know them now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw them play and I thought, wow, the place they're playing in, it was a place called Kicks in San Leandro. Mm-hmm. I thought this place is little mm-hmm. and they're doing a fine job of having bands here. Mm-hmm. I could do this. I have a spot at the Bowl there's a room in the back of the bar right. with a wooden floor yeah. and hold a couple hundred people yes. so yeah did. so we built a stage and got lighting up in the ceiling mm-hmm. and started having bands and once the word got out that we had original bands as opposed to cover bands right. play there they started the CDs were coming at me every day mm-hmm. and they'd say hey here's our stuff can we play there yeah. and one. I had no trouble finding bands to play I'd have or four bands every Friday night it was great and it was great
0: it was really great I got to
1: meet some of those
0: guys well Jim as we start to unwind we only have a little bit of time left I want to thank you thank you for sharing this beautiful landmark and you could get it you could order it or you could buy it from Jim and we'll uh, Jim how can you get this
1: Well, I have a website set up there's there's other fun stuff on there there's pictures and people's stories And uh, it's HolidayBowlHayward.com. Thank you, Jim. Pretty easy. And I also have these DVDs and streaming available for sale on the website. Well, Jim, thank you for coming on our show. And what we do usually after
0: we're done, well, not usually, all the time, we give out a kiss to our audience who always uh, watches our show, and we say peace at the end. So you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Peace and love to you all. Peace, people. Good evening, everybody. On August 24th, 2021, one of the greatest drummers of rock passed, Charlie Watts. Not only Charlie Watts was such an influence on so many drummers in the last 50 years, he was an influence on my life and so many other musicians that I know. We'll be doing a special for Charlie in the future. And we hope that you will watch it because it's going to be very fascinating inside looks of what we looked at, Charlie, and also photos that I have taken of the Rolling Stones over the years. Thank you so much and be standing by because we're going to show and tribute to Charlie Watts. Peace and love.